You know when you look around, you see the music done so well and tech and welcoming, and you think, wow, this is a slick outfit, and I've got nothing to contribute, and uh, they don't need me. Think again. Um, There's a West African proverb I heard yesterday, and I'm going to share it with you. If you think you're too small to make a difference, then you haven't spent a night with a mosquito. (laughs) Coming from West Africa with malaria, that was a big question. Your part in the church of God matters. We're going to see that a little bit later. But for now, I want to say this. The church, the church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. The bride of Christ is the ultimate hope for every person in Dubai. Amen? It's hard to believe that given how badly churches and leaders behave, especially over the last three decades. But that's no less true. It is Central, his bride, his body is central to his great plan. And as we continue exploring the whole theme of faithful to the opportunity over these last two weeks, I want us to think not so much how God fits into our plans here at Fellowship, but how we fit into God's great plan. Um, And so my first point here on this theme is this. We want to be faithful to God's extraordinary plan uh, for his church. Uh, I, you know, the book of Ephesians, what an extraordinary book. We're picking it up round two this time. And we've already seen in God's great plan the following. Number one, the focus of God's great plan is to bring all things in heaven and earth under Christ. In other words, at the name of Jesus, every knee's going to bow. Uh, the scope of God's plan, wow, it's from eternity to eternity. The blessings of God's plan are so many, I just don't have the time to tell you, but here are four anyway. Chosen before the foundation of the world, handpicked. How special is that? Um, Adopted into God's family, his forever family. Forgiven by that precious blood. Clean slate, fresh start. And then sealed with the Spirit so that we can be sure that heaven is our home. I'm telling you, friends, if you're not a follower of Jesus, get on board because the blessings are beautiful. But they only come, the blessings of God's plan only come through being united with Christ. They're all to be enjoyed straight away if you're a follower of Jesus. But they come through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And the mystery of God's plan is for a church that is filled with people from all nations, languages and tribe. And I'm looking at the fulfilment of that promise. Abraham had no idea when God said he was going to bless the world through his line that this is the fulfilment of that promise, or at least the past fulfilment. And the, what is the purpose of all this? What's the purpose of God's plan? Let me tell you. It is that we may be for the praise of his glory, for the praise of his glory, for the praise of his glory. I say that three times because that's exactly why it's repeated in Ephesians 1. Um, I don't know if you know the name Sheikh Sisse, uh, but uh, he was the man who secured the first gold medal for the Ivory Coast in West Africa. And it was in, would you believe it, in Taekwondo. Uh, It was in the Brazilian Olympics 2016. And Sheikh Sisse basically gets to the podium, right? He's won. He gets to the podium. He bends down to receive the gold medal. He stands up with his hand on his heart. The flag of Ivory Coast goes up. The tears roll down. And the national anthem of his people is played. In that moment, he got to glorify his nation. Well, friends, I want to say, I want us 
at fellowship to do to God for all eternity what Shakes his say did to Ivory Coast for just a brief moment. Amen? That's what life's all about, giving glory to God. And look at uh, what I love is you see that photo? Isn't he happy? The joy of being able to lift up his nation. It was John Piper who said, uh, God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him. What joy it is. What privilege it is. You know, Sheikh also said that he wanted to be an ambassador, not just for the Ivory Coast, but for Africa. But we children of God, we want to be ambassador for Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in this city of Dubai that God has graced us with. And in God's plan, my goodness, we are trophies of grace. Everyone here who knows the Lord Jesus Christ knows they are saved by grace. We No, we experience, we are the fruit of, we have a message of grace that says that though you are far off, you can be brought near. Though you are dead in your sins, you can be made alive. Though you are lost, you can be found. What a great God. uh, Kathleen, who's on staff, she said something beautiful. She said, we Christians, we're peddlers of hope. We're peddlers of hope. In a hopeless world, we offer hope. And we have a message of hope for this city. Uh, We have a living hope. Why? Because we have a living Lord who has made us alive. Remember, friends, the good news of Jesus Christ is the only hope, is the only lifeline thrown out to humanity. That's it. This is it. Christ died for our sins that he rose again for our forgiveness and he's coming back to take us home. We're part of something bigger than ourselves, more cosmic, more eternal than we can ever imagine. You know, the church, us, right here, right now, is evidence that Jesus defeated death at the, uh, on Easter Sunday, that he paid for our sins, that he is alive, that he is Lord, that he is ruling at the right hand of the Father, and that Satan lost. That's right. Every time you turn up, you're a thorn in Satan's side. Just reminding him that on that first Good Friday, he came off second best. Somehow it gives you an extra special reason to turn up every Sunday, don't you think? Anything I can do that can make Satan's life less pleasurable has got to be good. And uh, we who have been given so much, much is required. You know that biblical principle, don't you? We have been given so much. Much is required. And so let me go to a verse that Bill went to last week because it's so important. In Ephesians 2.10, the Apostle Paul writes, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So before time, God had handpicked us, which is beautiful. But before time, he had assigned to us at fellowship and to each of us within fellowship, a quota of good works for us to step into. Uh, Now, of course, we're not saved by good works. And again, if you're not a follower of Jesus, please tune into this reality. And it is the unique, distinctive truth of Christianity. We are saved by grace. You know, the Apostle Paul says, by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can be saved. And how liberating is that in a city where there's so much pressure to perform? I think of a sister at Creekside whose husband passed away a year ago. And she was told, she wasn't part of fellowship then, she was told that the reason why is because she didn't pray when he was alive for the good times, in the good times. And now she's suffering the bad times, the hard times. I thought, what a cruel, mean God she, you know, she was told to worship. No, no, no. And then she was invited to come to fellowship in the last couple of months. 
and got to hear that you're saved by grace and not by works. And the pressure lifted and the joy came and the peace was experienced. She's not alone, friends. No, we're not saved by good works. But we are saved to do good works. We can't contract out those good works to another church. They've got their quota of good works. We've got our quota of good works. And so really the call is let's be faithful to our calling. Uh, God has been thinking about what he wants us to do for a long time. Let's step into them. But you know what amazes me is how is it that a church of what, 3,600 now at Fellowship, along with other churches, but how is it that we get to assemble each week in the United Arab Emirates? Is that not a miracle? Don't take that for... You tell someone 40 years ago that this was going to happen, they would have said, what have you been smoking? Because that's wacky weed stuff. (laughs) I tell you why. Well, it's the kindness of God working itself out through the kindness of our leaders. And it's been inspired by, and this is my second point, the faithfulness of those in the past in the UAE. Let me take you an example. Uh, In 1960, which happens to be the year I was born, but we won't tell anyone. You know when the dinosaurs roamed the earth? Uh, is 11 years before UAE was actually formed as a nation. And uh, when there was no skyscrapers, get this, there was no air conditioning. How people lived here, I don't know, but bless them. His Highness Sheikh Zayed asked Christian doctors, Dr. Um, Pat Kennedy and Dr. Marion Kennedy, husband and wife team from the States, to start a hospital in Alain in, in Abu Dhabi. Why did he want that? He wanted good for his people. What was the problem? It was simply this. And I, I can't believe this data. One out of every two babies born died. That's like this half of the hall dying. Wow. One out of every three mothers died either at birth, giving birth, or complications from birth. Wow. And here they came. They came when there was no air conditioning, when it wasn't easy, when it was hard, it was hot, so they could bless body and soul. And through the work of the Kennedys and the hospital, along with other medics, of course, the Oasis Hospital blessed so many so that now uh, no mother dies at birth and uh, mortality rates for babies are down to less than 1%. And our own president, Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed, was born in that hospital. The Kennedys were faithful to the opportunities that lay before them, which then opened the door, and this is my third point, to the faithfulness of those here at Fellowship. And I'm speaking here of people, not, not me. I'm, I'm the new kid on the block, right? I've only been here as one of your pastors for the last uh, four or five months. But uh, we saw last week in that lovely video of what God had been doing in Fellowship over these last 14 years. And I've got to tell you this. Um, it, it seems to me, looking at that video, <clears throat> as the Lord kept adding to our number at Fellowship, it's like... You know, the leaders of the church and the church itself were trying to catch up with what God was doing because it was happening at such a rapid rate. So many changes were taking place. Think of all the places that the church moved to. It started in a home and then moved to Al-Nur and then Ajan and then Two Seasons and then Creekside, always trying to keep up, needing more space and more space as more people gathered. It started with one small service in a home, then two services, three, four, five, six, seven, and so so forth. It started in one site, now it's in two sites. Um, Notice how small the original group was, 27, 29. Notice how white the original group was. (laughs) A lot of white bread there. 
but it didn't stay white, or only white rather, because Jim and Alanda had a, had a, a passion that this would be a church for all nations, all languages, all tribes. Why? Because they had the heart of Jesus who came to seek and to save the lost. You know, fellowships last count of about, we have about 110 different nationalities last count in our church. That's a lot of different nationalities. And, um, and, I, and I asked uh, Sade, I said, can you give me a breakdown of all the Bs, you know, the, the countries that start with B? And so we have people from Bolivia, Botswana, Brazil, Britain, Bulgaria, Burma, Burundi. Anyway, I shared this list at Creekside last week and uh, a couple of sisters from the Caribbean said, you didn't mention our country that starts with B. And I said, Bahamas? No. Bermuda? No. Barbados? Yes. Bang, I got it. Any other Bs here that I haven't mentioned? Or was it nice and loud? Okay. We'll let that one go. I Zoom uh, Jim, Jim Burgess, every, every month because he has so much wisdom to share. And he said that the purpose why we planted here and at Creekside is we wanted to be on or near the metro. I think, why is that, Jim? He said, because we wanted people who didn't have their own transport to get to church, to hear the good news, to be encouraged by God's people. A church for everyone. Who, who here has been to fellowship for more than 10 years? Just put up your hand. Okay, some, not a lot. What about five years? Who's been here Five years or more. Okay. Two years or more. Who's come in the last year? Like me. Okay. There's a few of us. At whatever point you came into the life of fellowship, always remember this. Someone before you, someone's before you had to give up for you to be here. Something that was precious to them. For example, um, fellowship could have stayed in that original home. Oh, they would have had such a great time. Everyone would have talked and known each other intimately, but we would have missed out. Or they could have stayed at Al Noor School, where, where everyone would have known everyone. They had access to the pastor. Uh, you would have had a good conversation with Pastor Jim every week. Fantastic. But then the rest would have missed out. We could have stayed just at two seasons and not planted Creekside. But I was there last week and there was, what, 1,300 people who would have missed out on the fellowship and hearing about the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, it's now our turn to basically be faithful to the opportunities in Dubai in 2023. You heard from Bill last week, you may have heard from Bill last week, that this city has really risen from the desert sands in such rapid time. We know it's a population of 3 million. It uh, basically has grown by a million in the last 10 years. All estimations is that... It, in the next, 10, next 20 years, 2.5 million will come. That's a lot of people. It's a very young population, medium age 30, so I'm the odd one out. And um, why are you laughing? Uh, because you didn't know I was young, that's right. 200 nationalities. And I was so encouraged to find there are other Maltese. They're sitting right here. Some of my own people are here. I was wondering, am I the only Maltese dude here? But no, there are others. This is our time. This generation in Dubai, they're our responsibility. We share that with other churches, yes, but we need to feel the weight of that responsibility. This generation that God has placed here in Dubai, their precious souls is on our, needs to be on our heart. So let's enjoy the vision video again that you may or may not have seen last week. Please turn to the screens and enjoy. 
every 44 seconds, someone moves from their native country to a totally different country, usually in search of a better job or a better way of life. That's how fast the global expat population is growing. And there are almost 300 million expats in the world right now. The UAE has one of the highest shares of the global expat population. In fact, about 90% of the country's population is made up of expats. And with the growing number of the global expat population, the UAE will continue to welcome more and more expats in the coming years. But there's a problem. Living as an expat is not easy. Many people feel lonely, isolated and without community. And studies show that one of the biggest challenges expats face is building relationships. So what can we do about it? What can we as a church do to help the growing number of experts in the UAE find a relationship with God through the good news of Jesus? We believe that God is inspiring Fellowship Dubai to take the good news of Jesus beyond where we are by starting more sites in the coming years. Because we want to see more people come to know God and become healthy, growing and multiplying followers of Jesus through community and connection that's authentic and centered around the gospel that still transforms lives every day. Fellowship Dubai has and always will be a place for everyone. But maybe it's time we go to those who can't come to us. Maybe it's time we go to places we haven't gone before. We know this isn't easy. And we know the task is big. Maybe even impossible. But we also know that God will lead us to what's next. All we need to do is trust him and be faithful to the opportunity. Faithful to what opportunity? It's very simple, really. There are three things I keep thinking. Number one, God is bringing many people to Dubai who simply don't know the beauty of our Lord Jesus. Number two, God is bringing more people than we have churches. Number three, there are many who, have, who don't have churches where they live. Um, we need to make the most of this opportunity. Now, we've already seen the growth with our own eyes. I mean, in the last... We put on, last month, we put on a 1 p.m. service. There are now 400 attending it. That's fairly obvious. Uh, since the last four weeks, we have grown at two seasons by, there it is, 600 people. In Creekside, we've grown by 250. That's over 800 through the course of a month. Now, I know some of that's people coming back from holidays, but overall, there's been a massive increase. And what is our response to this? I think Colossians 4.5 says it beautifully. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. So Paul is speaking about personal witnessing there in its context. But he's, he's thinking, as you think about those who don't know Christ, this is the posture you need to take. Make the most of the opportunity. That word behind that phrase has the idea of cashing in on a good deal. Oh, by the way, did you hear this morning, Carrefour has basically slashed 90% off everything? And it started, the actual um, discount started at uh, 11 o'clock this morning. Um, 90% of everything. Now think about that. Beds that were once 800 dirham, now 80. Fridges, 1,500 dirham, now 150. 
Computers, 2,600 dirham, now 260. Limited numbers, limited first in first serve, limited stock. Lock the doors. <laughs> Don't, that's how we're going, come back. You know that, by the way, I'm joking. You think, I went to the wrong service today. Now I'm joking, but what I'm, you know that instinct to get up and go? Oh, that very good instinct. That's the make the most of the opportunity. Once you see a good deal, you instinctively go to it. Well, what I'm telling you is God is bringing the nations to Dubai and that instinct needs to be diverted slightly towards kingdom priorities. <laughs> Many have come to Dubai searching for a community. They end up finding fellowship. They search for a church. They end up finding Christ. They begin by belonging at fellowship and then they end up believing in the Lord Jesus. God has entrusted us with this season of fruitfulness. May we be faithful to that opportunity, friends. And that's why, that's the context in which we want you to understand why we were launching a new site in 2023 in September. And uh, lots of flickering going on. I don't know what's going on there, but it's exciting. I think we're getting a bit of flashing going on. But really, that's the context as we think of God's big picture and what he's doing in this world, why we want to be a part of God's great plan to, bring the, to create, establish another gospel community where more people can praise him, hear his holy word, encourage the saints, invite their friends so that they can come and hear the Lord Jesus. I do want to say thank you for filling out the survey because we're asking you to help us find out where that next place may be. And the question's like, who will pastor that congregation? Where will it be? How will it take place? Those questions will be answered over the next few months. But the most important question is not the who, what and, what and how. It's actually what what does it mean to be faithful to the opportunity? In other words, what kind of church do we want to be? You know, the goal isn't to establish another site where we, you know, have a large crowd singing a couple of Jesus songs. We want more than that. We want what Jesus wants for fellowship. And what he wants is for us to become a mature church with Christ as our head. Amen? Because Jesus is presenting the church to himself on the last day, a church that he has washed with his word. And that takes me to the first of the four marks of what a mature Christ-like church looks like. And it is the value of the truth of Christ. You know, the living Lord Jesus issued teaching gifts, people, to equip the church to testify to the victory of the Lord Jesus. But why is truth so important? Have you ever pondered this question? Because the older I get, the more I realise, gee, it's important. Truth matters because truth is a person and that person is Jesus and only he can set you free. That's it. Truth is a person and that person is Jesus and only he can set you free and only he can set your friends and family and work colleagues free. The goal in Ephesians 4.13 is this. The purpose of giving the word gifts that issue forth the truth of Christ is that so that we will reach Unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. Unity in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. So a mature church thinks correctly about the Lord Jesus. A mature church thinks together 
about the Lord Jesus correctly. That is, every time we open the word in whatever context, we're bringing alignment in so that the, the Jesus I am worshipping and the Jesus you're worshipping is the same Jesus. You know, when we open the word, what we're doing is lining up our thinking with his. Because you know what it's like when someone relates to you on the basis of what they think you are rather than who you are? And you know why we read the Bible? is to constantly make sure that the Jesus we're relating to is the true and living Lord Jesus and not the one we made up in our minds. We're thinking his thoughts. And the thing about truth, it guards us from the lies of Satan and the scheming of false teachers. Because we know a false gospel, a distorted Jesus, can't save, offers no help, always divides and definitely won't transform. The truth, it's got to be in all of our hearts, not just some of our hearts. It needs to be on all of our lips. You know, we breathe in the word of God. Why? So that we can breathe it out in praise, in prayer, in conversations with each other, inside the body of Christ, outside the body of Christ. Truth, it'll set you free. Secondly, truth has always got to be married with love. You know, we will never be the church Jesus has made us with, made us to be unless love marks us out. We're to teach with love. We're to teach the priority of love. We're to, most of all, live, walk in love, demonstrate meaningfully. That's why I love those 242 stories. You know, that's, that's the place where that love and truth beautifully are blended together. You know, this chapter began with Paul's plea to make sure we're united in the bond of peace. And he speaks about being gentle with one another, patient with one another. And then he ends the chapter with making sure that we're kind and compassionate with one another. And like, wow, so truth and love become important. As a church, Paul says, without love, you're nothing. And I tell you this, I don't want to get to Jesus on the last day and him tell you, I don't know what you were going on with fellowship, but it's a nothing church because love wasn't there. Whoa, well, I don't think he's going to say that, but I, I, I want to live in light of that final verdict, love and truth. This together is how we be the church that Jesus makes us to be. Without love, it's not like we're halfway there or a quarter of the way there. We're nowhere. But with love and truth, we are the church Jesus has called us to be. Look at Ephesians 4.16. The whole body, and he's talking about the church here, grows and builds itself up in love. So truth without love profoundly distorts who Jesus is. But love without truth profoundly distorts who Jesus is. It's only when we marry truth and love together that people finally see the beauty of Jesus and all his glory. You know, since I've been in a fellowship, I've heard so many wonderful stories. But the recurring theme goes like this. You know, I heard the truth of Jesus when I came to fellowship. I felt the love of Jesus when I met the people of fellowship. I think they're two good signs. Let's keep them going. But for the church to mature, those uh, who teach God's word, e.g. people like me, uh, need to make sure we're equippers and not ministers. Uh, listen to Ephesians 4.11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers with this purpose in mind. To equip his people, who's that? You, <laughs> for works of service, works of ministry. Wow. So the purpose of the word gifts is about unleashing all of God's people in works of service and ministry. Transformed disciples, making transformed disciples, 
who make transformed disciples. And we all play our part in that. So that the priesthood of all believers becomes the ministry of all believers. Now that's a Christ-like church. Uh, last month, I heard this lovely story. There was a lady who got on a bus. She wasn't a Christian, a follower of Jesus. And she met someone from fellowship. They started talking, eventually got round to a Jesus conversation. Uh, the, the lady showed enough interest to, to actually, she heard about how a friend was going to 242 group. She said, can I, can I go with you? So she came along, went to the 242 group, had the Bible opened up, met Jesus in his word and in the love of God's people. By the end of the study, she said, I think I want to become a follower of Jesus. So they led her in a prayer. She became a Christian. That group was really excited, let me tell you. She was there at church the next week. And you know what? Not a pastor in sight. I love that last phrase. Because if it's just tied to the pastors, the church will have very limited reach. God's intent from the very beginning was to unleash an army, his bride, to do the work together. And, and that means for the church to be mature, everyone needs to see themselves as a contributor, not a consumer. Ephesians 4.16 says this, For from him the whole body grows and builds itself up in love, finish the sentence, as each part does its work. I love that. Truth and love, are sorry, we become the church Jesus wants us to be when truth and love become the responsibility of every member of fellowship. So I beg you, don't hold us back from being the church Jesus wants us to be. I place the challenge at your feet. Don't hold us back. Don't keep sitting on your hands because you think everything's done well, they don't need me. And I know you're second guessing, you know, I've got nothing to offer. Forget that. God has told you, this church will not be the church he wants us to be unless you are doing your part. Don't keep your, sit on your hands. Don't sit in the stalls watching. Get on the field. There's a position for you in the team. Transform disciples who make transformed disciples. You know, at staff, we're doing a jigsaw puzzle during lunchtime. I'm calling it a team building exercise. But really, my wife wanted to get it off the table of our kitchen. And it was way too big for me and I was so depressed, I couldn't do it. And it's kind of like, you know, our big plans to plan another site. It's just too big for any one person. It's all hands on deck. And, uh, but there's the staff. So I couldn't do it, so I got the staff involved. They couldn't do it, so they, then we got uh, people, volunteers coming in. Everyone's pitching in, trying to make this thing happen by today. By the way, I don't think it's still finished. Yeah, we're all works in progress, including the Church of God. But take a look at this photo in the puzzle in the next one, the one after that. So, Now, what do you go to when you see that picture? You go to that missing piece, don't you? It's like when you look at a photo and you're in the photo. You always go to you in the photo. Whenever you, and, and what does that missing piece do? It kind of ruins the whole picture. That's a, that's, that's a section of a city of Dubai. I mean, it's you know, stylized. It's a beautiful picture. And that piece is missing. You don't want to be that piece <laughs> that's missing. I heard someone say to me at Creekside, you know, Ray, Pastor Ray, I, I, I was the, I'm that missing piece and I don't want to be that missing piece anymore. Your part is so important. Don't let anyone, don't let self-doubts or anyone else think... And sometimes, you know, we don't come back to you quick enough when you've made a request. That's got to do with disorganisation. It's got nothing to do with you. 
You know when you put forward a request, hey, I'd like to be involved in this, and then you don't hear from anyone? Just put it down to, it's got nothing to do with you, it's disorganisation from the staff side. We'll wear that one, and we're sorry. On behalf of the staff, we'd like to apologise right now. If in any way we've communicated to you that you don't have a part to play, we are so sorry, we have failed, not you. Please come on board. I once saw this sign on a notice board. It's a little bit cutesy, but I liked it. And it said this, what's missing? You are. You are. I wonder if the next step for you is to join a 242 group. I love the hedgehog illustration by Sona. Cuddling up, where we cuddle up together, around God's word, loving each other, eating together, praying for each other, and then going deep with each other. Oh, that's a healthy community. Maybe it's time to, you've been part of it, you didn't have a good experience. Hey, we've all had, we've all had bad experiences in small groups and we've all had fantastic experiences. Well, there's a fresh start. You know, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies in you every morning. That includes 242 groups. Um, if you've had a bad, get on board with another one. Uh, get involved in a, in, a, in, a, in a serving ministry. And I tell you why. We can't be the church God has called us to be until you specifically step forward and offer to be part of a community where love and truth become meaningful realities for you with the people of God. And you know what? My, gut, my hunch is that's exactly what you want as well. And what a joy it is to have front row seats on what God is doing it here at Dubai through fellowship. Seriously, what a privilege it is to play our part in being faithful to this opportunity that God has placed at our feet. Because remember, brothers and sisters, more that's been given, more is required. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we want, we want your name honoured. We want your kingdom to come. We want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven in this city and through this church. For that reason, Lord, we come before you with our plans that we lay at your feet, plans to plant a new site in September next year. We pray, Lord, that we will constantly come before our Father in heaven and bathe these plans in prayer depending on your Holy Spirit, because apart from you, we can do nothing. And enable everyone here who follows Jesus, everyone who calls fellowship home, to see to it that, to take by the grace of God responsibility for the truth of Christ and for love for one another. For we, as we all seek to make transformed disciples of all nations. And we want to say thank you Thank you for our leaders who allow us to gather. Thank you for the faithfulness of those in the distant past, like the Kennedys, when they came, when it wasn't flashy, when it was hot, when it was uh, dry, when it was difficult, and they blessed so many people that opened a door for churches like Fellowship to meet. Thank you for Jim and Alanda and for all the faithful saints who have played their past in the history of Fellowship up to this point. Now, Lord, now we pray. Give us the opportunity to step into this wonderful history and be part of the future. And we pray this in Jesus' powerful name. And all the saints said, Amen, Amen indeed.